you or someone you love needs help for an addiction, where do you turn? Foundations Recovery Network offers individualized treatment for the whole person. Our goal goes beyond short-term sobriety. We address substance abuse and co-occurring mental health issues together, providing a firm foundation for long-term recovery. The first step is often the hardest, but we're here with a free assessment, insurance information, and treatment options. Our confidential helpline is available 24-7, so call 877-714-1318 and discover the Foundation's Recovery Network difference today. This is Rich Roll, and you're listening to Silver Guy Radio. Yo, what's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in, and thanks to you for supporting the show. Welcome to Sober Guy Radio. We're coming to you live from the Innovations and Recovery Conference down in San Diego, California. We're rocking some sunshine and some beach attire, and we're having a damn good time, that's for sure. Be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com for past episodes, resources. Uh, you can contact us there, and you can help support the show uh, by leaving us a review on iTunes. Um, if you have questions about whether you or a loved one may need help, you can contact Foundations Recovery Network at 877-714-1318. Foundations has nationwide residential and outpatient facilities, and they can provide a confidential assessment and review the best treatment options for you uh, or your loved one. Once again, that number and, uh, and private line is 877-714-1318. All right, so we are talking with a man who uh, I've been trying to chase down for a couple conferences now, and I finally got to connect with him. His name is Brian O'Shea, and he's from Caring Interventions. Brian, thank you for coming on Sober Guy Radio, man. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's a good time, man. So I, I've, uh, I've saw you, uh, this is our third one in San Diego, third conference, and we've done two in Nashville. And we've crossed paths a couple of times, and we I don't know, you know, for some reason, it doesn't really matter why we're talking today, but it's a real pleasure to, uh, to meet you and to chat with you. And I think what we could do is uh, let's, let's give the listeners out there uh, who are tuning in today, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, Brian. Yes, I founded Caring Interventions with Kathleen Butler from Pittsburgh about 10 years ago. We like to help families... We'd like to help the entire family recover. About half of our work is consulting and creation of broad-based screening and access to resources. Half of our work, we actually do interventions. We have five interventions we collaborate with. Often, I do the front-end work and Kathleen does genograms, and then we figure out whether I should go or one of our collaborative interventionists. Huh. We have worked in over 20 states, and I have a lot of education. I've been mentored and educated by Heather Hayes, Judith Landau, Keith Fearman, and many of the great interventionists, and I have a lot of education around that. I have the education of a certified alcohol and drug counselor, and I'm a member in good standing with the Mississippi Association of Addiction Professionals and NADAC. To help a family fully recover and come out of fear and to help individuals create long-term recovery on a truly 360-degree level is a blessing to have that as a life. Yeah. It's a lot of work, though, too, right? I mean, family, you were talking about... The whole family, and I, I love that, um, that I hope to get into this a little bit more with you and hear, hear kind of your take a little more in detail, but um, on, a, on a high level, 
you know, I feel like the families get left in the dust sometimes because it's all about the addict. You know, it's all about the person suffering with this, you know, disease of alcoholism or addiction. And so not only are we in this selfish uh, point um, of our own deal, what's happening to our families, to our wives, to our moms, to our dads, to our siblings, to our friends, you know? So, I mean, what does that look like and how are you helping whole families, I mean, get the help they need? It's our approach to immediately talk about self-care with the mom, the dad, the sibling, the children, whoever has called us. We immediately suggest books like Love First by Deborah Jay and Jeff Jay. We immediately suggest Al-Anon. I'm also a huge promoter of Big Red Book ACA work, the multi-generational recovery work. I often suggest intensives or therapies immediately for the family members. Family members are often confused by this. They want me to help their individual they've called me about. I tell them the outcomes of saving your loved one's life improve vastly if you take action. You, mom, daughter, wife, spouse, sister, you're taking action changes the outcome for the individual who is struggling with substance misuse, hmm. with trauma, with process. And really about half the families comply. Yeah. And I report that sadly sometimes to some of my mentors like Judith Landau and others. They say that's 50% more than if you didn't ask. Yeah, it's true. I guess it's about <laughs> perspective, right? But it is sad, though, I mean, to see, you know, half who, I mean, and maybe it's not their time, you know, maybe it's not it. But I'm sure that's a tough, uh, tough thing to deal with. So some families are not ready and not yeah. able. Well, and I think one of the big things is denial, right? How's the, I mean, what's the denial factor look like when you look at it from not only the addict's perspective, but the whole family? The education of a family. Now, of course, some families call you and they have done enormous amounts of work and yeah. they're in recovery and they're in family therapies and some families are just right there. Yeah. And you give them a tiny bit of coaching and a little bit of this and a little bit of that and it's wonderful. Often, the amazing thing is culturally... They have no idea. Yeah. They don't understand about the hijacked brain. They don't understand about a medical model driving craving. They feel it's a moral issue or a willpower issue. So it's fascinating. You have to truly understand what is this family story? Yeah. Has anyone in their family ever recovered? Hmm. Do, will they shift from anger and fear to compassion and understanding? that this is a spiritual, mental, emotional, physical malady, that if carefully and properly addressed, great things will happen. Yeah. But shaming people into action rarely works. Yeah. So what does, um, for someone out there listening who's wondering, okay, so what, what does this process look like? So let, let's just take, you know, uh, John or Mary, you know, your pick or whatever, who, who needs some help and their family's coming together and they're saying, man, we really need to get John or Mary. We need to get him some help immediately. Like, what the hell do we do? So wh where does that, where does that come? Where, where do you take it from there? So the first thing I ask is a brief assessment. I shouldn't use the word assessment, a brief history, Yeah, <laughs> a brief history. And then I ask, who else can we put on a conference call? 
can we get a couple of siblings? Can we get a couple of aunts or grandparents? What's an inner circle of people that are on board? And the first two or three phone calls we do at Caring Interventions are always completely pro bono. And I put them on a conference call. And I try to get that family voice moving. And the first question is, is this a crisis? And I want to hear what is everyone's perception of what is happening. So we start that family voice. We get them connecting and moving and talking. And then I suggest, well, should we have an intervention? Do we think it's time? What are some of your concerns? What are your fears around this? Often the family has a fear, will this make my loved one worse? Mm -hmm. So we address their fears right away. Then we address their myths. There's often a myth, well, they won't work if they don't want to do it. Of course, when Vern Johnson invented intervention, he faced the same thing. Hmm. The truth is, a good, compassionate, well-performed detox moves someone into a space where they're more able to hear the idea of recovery. Yeah. Often, less crystal meth makes you more open to getting better. Imagine that. (laughs) It's funny how that happens, huh? So the idea of intervention is to help someone who's not ready. Yeah. So we address myths and fears, and then I send them an agreement so they have it. It's all very transparent. And then I send them some of the articles from the Love First book and some different ideas of read this from Judith Landau's website or read some of the articles on my website. And I let them educate themselves. I ask them to go to an Al-Anon meeting. I ask them to start moving. So that's the beginning. Well, I got to think that that's... You're, you're dealing with one of, if not the hardest part of the process, I think, because people are, they're not ready a lot of the time or most, I mean, like you said, that's what an intervention is. And I guess I really didn't even think about it like that until you put it in those terms. Although it's simple, it's really the very beginning process. And I go back to the denial thing again, if someone's not ready, you know, um, how long does that process take? I mean, I'm sure it varies for, for certain people, but I mean, does it, is it, can it go pretty long sometimes and just not giving up? Oh yes. Different families are in different stages of readiness. I have done them within four hours of the first phone call from a conference call to we put a, a, a brief rehearsal together and we yeah. meet. Within four hours. Really? Yes. Sometimes it's on the fly. Yeah. Sometimes it's in an ER or a hospital room or a jail cell. The average for me is 96 hours of preparation. Hmm. And then we will have the meeting with the addicted individual. Yeah. And um, you said you're out of Mississippi? Yes. It's so funny with my Bronx speech impediment. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little bit different than, uh, um, I don't know, I've never been to Mississippi, but it does sound... Oh, it don't sound like this. It don't sound like that, huh? (laughs) Yeah, one one time, I'm in long-term 12-step recovery by grace, and one time at a meeting, I said, I'm Brian from Mississippi, and the guy leading the meeting said... Are you currently drinking, Mr. O'Shea? <laughs> you are not from Mississippi, Mr. O'Shea. <laughs> That's great, man. And so if you don't mind, actually, I would, I would love to get in, into that a little bit about your own personal recovery. Oh, um, absolutely. So you, you're an active 12-step member. Yes. Um, and uh, what's, what's kind of your background in that? How long have you been sober? Uh, my sobriety date is November 10th, 1985. Nice. 
I am third generation recovery. I'm I'm really blessed being from the Bronx. My grandfather was actually detoxed in Towns Hospital by Dr. Silkworth, who wrote the first page of the big book. Really? Only because we were poor, and that's the place that detoxed poor people. We didn't know a miracle was happening. Yeah. And of course, my father and his brother, my uncle Kieran, he went to heaven a couple of years ago with 66 years sobriety. And I am one of four children and three of us are in full active recovery. Uh, in, and I'm a slow study. I'm actually one of the stupidest people you'll ever interview because <laughs> I was an alatod and alateen. And I first went to program for myself when I was 19, but I didn't get it till I was about 29 years of age. Yeah. And that's an impressive resistance to wisdom. Because yeah. <laughs> I have been exposed to this knowledge and yeah. resisted it for a long time. It's it's funny, though, how, um, and I mentioned this earlier on, a, on one of the other episodes, how we can know a lot of stuff, but the you know the, the actual act of acting on it and taking action, it, we, we really don't know shit if we're not taking action on it, right? You know? <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Exactly. Yeah. And a big part of my recovery is my adult children of alcoholics recovery from the big red book. And that's a huge part of, that enhances my AA life. Now the AA life, plus I've always been active in AA, active in NA, and a little bit active in CA. Though the thing I'm excited about now is the DAA, the Drug Addicts Anonymous. They have them in Louisiana and Texas. Really? This is an f- exciting new fellowship. It's based on the big book. But they let people come in, a lot of people from opioid addiction and a lot of drug addicts come in. They have a wide open heart. Hi, I'm an alcoholic. Hi, I'm an addict. Hi, I'm this. Hi, I'm that. They let everyone come in. You're allowed to talk about whatever substances you're battling or recovering from. So it's an exciting new program. I studied the big book. There are now over 100 12-step-based programs. It is happening in every country in the world. So... The, the newer one, Drug drug Addicts Anonymous, yes. right? So I'm, I'm just picturing it as you're describing it, which I haven't heard of that before. That's really, really cool. So it's kind of like a hybrid of NAAA and other programs out it there. Is. It's just a big open um, community for addiction, basically. It is. It it's has really so neat. much love and so much energy. Yeah. 300 people on a Saturday night in Lafayette, Louisiana. Really? 300 people in Austin, Texas. It's a vibrant thing. Huh. It's a vibrant, exciting thing. And it's based on 12-step also. It, from the big book. Yeah. From so the it's funny to see the addicts. Yeah. You know, who you would mind immediately say, oh, you got to go to N.A. Yeah. But these addicts have decided, no, we like the big book, but we want to talk about heroin constantly. <laughs> and this is yeah, a room where that. all that love is there. Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Really, really cool. I appreciate you, too, sharing a little bit about your own story and uh, and, and uh, your background and stuff, too, man. I, I thank you for that. Oh, I'm blessed. I uh, have great sponsors, great sponsees, great friends. Yeah. For me... I believe there's an element of grace and mystery in my continued recovery. Yeah. I believe I have no seniority. Yeah. I believe if tomorrow I see you at this time, we did the same thing we didn't pick up for one day. Yeah, that's good. I believe there's no seniority. There is seniority if I stay sober, if I have a prayer and meditation life, if I'm seeking wisdom and humility, and then I have a heart to share and some history to share. If I am that person spiritually, yeah. then there's something. Yeah. But there's no seniority. Same like thing. 
All the same, man. All yeah, the same. If I see you tomorrow at this time, yeah. we did the same thing. We didn't pick up for 24 hours. You mentioned uh, uh, sponsorship. Your sponsor. Yes. How important is sponsorship, man, for, for someone out there struggling? Incredibly vital. I had questions from my sponsor looking back on them. It was some of the most crucial pieces of missing development for me. Because my father battled mental illness as well as alcoholism. I grew up with violence being a big part of my childhood and abandonment being a big part of my adolescence and adulthood. And the sponsors, very loving sponsors. My first sponsor took me through the steps when I had about a month. He took me through the steps in three days in what we now call the Back to Basics Wally P. Dr. Bob method. Then my second sponsor did a more traditional step work with a 21-page fourth and fifth step, etc. Incredibly blessed. Then my third and greatest sponsor was the one who led me into ACA and therapy and EMDR and a well-rounded recovery using all tools. How many times have you worked the steps? Oh, boy. (laughs) I had a feeling it was probably quite a few. Yes, because... Okay, so a a large formal one of the more traditional variety, five times because because of moving or sponsors going to heaven, I've had Hmm. five sponsors. Yeah. So I always do a formal one with them. But then taking people through the the back-to-basics process, I've done that a couple of hundred times. Yeah. Which is from the archival notes of Dr. Bob's exact method where he took over 5,000 men and women through the steps personally. Well, and I think, um, you know, at least the way I understand it, is really we're, we should be, at least, trying to work the steps on a continuous basis anyway, right? It's not, it's, I, and I want to be clear about that, it's not just, we do the steps one time and then we're done and then we're cured and then everything's great. And no, 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 no. That's not how it works. Because I'm constantly learning something new every single day and thank God for that, right? I'm not that smart. So we got that in common. Right? Amen. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a constant thing. And the minute that I think I have it figured out, which I have had those experiences before, I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Like, whatever, I got it. <laughs> Boom, something hits. And I'm like, okay, well, wait a minute. I better get, get my acting gear. You know, it's funny how that happens, though, you know? So we're, we're constantly working it, though, you know? Oh, very much. So for me, every morning begins with a prayer, or for my friends who don't like prayer, a DBT or CBT mm-hmm. intention list for the day, yeah. which includes abstinence. And then I believe silence is very important. After my prayer or DBT, CBT intention list, five minutes of silence to hear guidance. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. And then to connect with sponsor or sponsee, and then to help other people. Those things are a daily goal for me to be and I found out I need to be in fellowship because I did between the ages of 19 and 23 I did about four years completely dry but no fellowship Hmm. it was my search for a new diagnosis (laughs) and I found that I don't do well that way I became hypervigilant odd and isolated I am I do better in fellowship with sponsors, sponsees, friends. Yeah. I, that's just for me. Yeah. And I don't tell anyone else what to do. But I have learned for me, I operate better in community. Yeah. I think community um, has came up in every conversation we've had. And that just goes to show. And it's came up organically. We haven't forced it by any means. It's came up in every conversation. And it is so important. Even just like what we're doing right now. We're at a conference. We're surrounded by people 
in recovery industry or in recovery, we're all kind of, you know, together. And um, I know for me, that's where that's where I thrive. You know, I feel the most real and like myself. And it's just, um, you know, being around real people, I guess. So great point right there. And Wally P, the archivist who created Back to Basics, his motto is take the steps early and often. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> early and often. It's, it works, man. It's got to work. You know? It works. What other choice do we have? Uh, I guess um, a gutter somewhere. That might be a choice. I don't want to make that choice. So I told my wife the other day, I said, man, I think uh, if it wasn't for you, I'd probably be face down in a gutter somewhere. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, babe. (laughs) But Brian, man, it's been great chatting with you, man. I really appreciate it. Um, If uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you, uh, find uh, more about Caring Interventions, how they can get involved, how they can ask some questions. Uh, Where where can they find you at? 800-956-6212. And I would also ask... If anyone has a good resource, please call me and alert me. I always want to learn about new resources. My practice is a national practice. Yeah. So if there's someone, especially somebody teaching trauma recovery or a great new IOP or a great new sober living, I, if anyone, I, I'm always looking for new resources to research and to vet, make sure they're doing what they say they're doing. Yeah. You know, my brother has a thing called the Trusted Provider Network, and he goes and vets the treatment centers before he puts them on the Trusted Provider Network. That's awesome. So, but if anyone, so if anyone, we're always willing to do pro bono help and consulting, but also if anyone has a resource, I'm always looking for more resources. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good places to refer families to. Absolutely. That's a, that's a big challenge. You know, you want to make sure that you're getting the right help, but it, also that it's trusted and it's a solid place, you know. Especially now, I really believe in five-term treatment, five-year treatment plans. Hmm. Got it, man. Got it. Good stuff, Brian. Well, thanks again for coming on Sober Guy Radio. It's been a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in today. Go to that soberguy.com for more information. Uh, once again, we're coming to you live from the Innovations and Recovery uh, Conference down in San Diego, California. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean.